good morning or good afternoon or a good evening depending upon what time of the day that you are listening to this podcast message um my kings and queens princes and prince this is the day that the lord has made let us rejoice and be glad in it we are coming today july 17th 2021 with a message for devotion for this day as we're celebrating Christ and He is risen. We're looking at the fruit of the Spirit, the eighth fruit, which is self-control. As we're looking at self-control, just think on the topic, our vibe, our vibe. The scripture that I'm going to be reading starts off with Romans chapter 12, verse 9. It says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. That is Romans chapter 12, verse 9. The next scripture reading is, Coming from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Amen. Singing the praises of God in a strange land. Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes it feels like you're singing the praises of God in a strange land. And I want you to think about, are you giving a defensive reaction when people pop off at you or come at you some kind of way or are you giving a self-assured reaction to such are you giving a defensive reaction when people either come at you some kind of way they're popping off or they're just coming some kind of way you don't understand what why they're coming that way and what they're talking about and so on and so on or in those type of situations are we given a self-assured reaction we all want to believe that we are given a self-assured reaction but are we really stand in your truth and don't hide from it that's something that i learned as a young girl to always stand in your truth let your mouth speak your truth and not hide from it be prepared to stand alone even in the sandbox that's something that you must teach your children and your family to always be prepared to stand alone even if everyone walks away and you learn this even as early as the child learns the sandbox dealing with people in the sandbox there's a song by tasha cobbs that says no longer a slave the lyrics say, cause I am no longer a slave to fear. 
because I am a child of God. I am no longer a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies to lure my fears. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies to lure my fears away. I'm no longer a slave because I'm a child of God. That is such a beautiful song when you just sit back and listen to the lyrics. On this thing, defense, looking at Jesus, because we have to look at Jesus. He asked questions when he was about. Um, he was not defensive with people and knew when to ignore something. So how should we deal with difficult people? That is the question that I ask. How should we deal with difficult people? Some people in our lives may be simply difficult because they challenge us. Or they may be difficult because they are different. Or they may be difficult because we live with them and we're close to them. Or they may be difficult because we are difficult. And sometimes about us and something about us just rubs them the wrong way. Or they may just be difficult people. Regardless of whatever it is, we can learn to accept the inconvenient, the incongruent, and the bothersome people and events in our life, not just as necessary nuances, but as gifts. And you're saying, oh my gosh, how can this be a gift? Well, it is. If you keep following with me, you'll understand what I'm talking about. When we are open-armed and open-spirit and receptive to all the world has to offer and all the world has to teach us, then everything becomes illuminated from within. Then we see that everything is or can be connected to our quest for beauty and order. Everything belongs old dolls, Decrepits, diaries, discarded buttons, difficult people. Seeing difficult people in such a positive light seems like a tall glass of water. But we must learn to deal with all kinds of people in a Christ-like way. Our total being depends on it. Scripture tells us some ways that Jesus dealt with difficult people. Jesus asked questions. It will find in chapter 12 of the gospel according to Luke that he asked to settle a family dispute and basically responds with, who do you think that I am? Am I judge so-and-so? Well, that's kind of like off the wall, you know, but that's basically what he was saying. But you get the idea. 
it's interesting to note that Jesus asked a lot of questions in scripture. Jesus questions where things were sometimes rhetorical or challenged and at other times he was also seeking feedback. He was very engaging. By asking questions, he emphasizes his openness to the other person. We must do the same. It is funny, but we humans tend to not ask a question out of uh, ask a lot of questions. We just want to assume. We want to lecture. We observe. We interrupt. And we judge. Have you ever had to ask somebody something and they came at you with assumptions and want to lecture you? Let me talk to you, little young blood. We they observe, they they uh, interrupt, and they judge, and still nothing gets solved. Nothing gets communicated except that. But Jesus does not want us to be like that. That's authoritarian type personality. But we rarely make it to a point to ask other people questions. And using questions frequently, I think Jesus is modeling the behavior of a good communicator. That what I said earlier is not a good communicator. They are a dictator. One who cares about the other person enough to engage with them and to also challenge them in friendly, loving terms. Even and perhaps especially when they are being difficult. It's okay to disagree, but be able to communicate so that both parts understand. Jesus is never cornered. You'll never see anywhere in the Bible where Jesus was backed up against a wall. See, that's why you don't put your hands in the cookie jar as well as your mouth in the cookie jar. Otherwise, it'll get cornered. And backed up against the wall. In chapter 6 of Luke, Jesus is taking a Sabbath stroll with his disciples. And the Pharisees pop up out of nowhere and accuse them of breaking the Sabbath by picking grain. Really? Jesus is unflustered by it. He doesn't get all wired out. He is never scared of the people who try to slip him up. Or think the worst of him. Because what other people think is not his focus. So what other people think about us is not our focus. <laughs> Keep that in mind. The truth is that God wants us to have confidence in life. Don't let people press you down. These are just tricks of the enemy. They're deceptions from the enemy. Not be, being, Don't be boastful. Don't be arrogant, don't have your pride, but an assured knowledge of who you are in him. You have to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Our self-worth should be seen through the eyes of God, our creator. And don't put your self-worth on by the judging of man. When we need a boost of self-esteem, there is no better place to turn to other than the Bible. Scripture is filled with truths and promises from one end to the other that can be our place of confidence. Our confidence is in Jesus Christ and the love of God. When we feel not, when we feel not good enough 
And there will be days when you just don't feel good enough or not strong enough. That is a trick of the enemy. Go to Jesus. Go to your word. Go to prayer and let him strengthen you. And remember that God says who you are. God says who you are. Remember who God says who you are. I put emphasis on that because we say it in church. We may say it in Bible study, but when we get into a fickle, we kind of somehow lose track of who God says we are. Always remember who God says you are. My mother used to always say, who are you? She used to always say that. God is saying, who are you? I, you know who you are. You are mine. Lift your heads up. We hope this collection that I'm going to give you throughout this um, devotion will help bring confidence and give you encouragement and strength through the love of God. The first one I want to mention is Psalms 139, verse 13 and 14. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I know that full well. And that's what we need to clap back with in a loving kind of way. Jesus knows when to ignore. And we have to know when to ignore. Some things we just need to not talk about. Let people just say what they want to say because it's already in their spirit. So it's no reason for us to get entangled in their spirit. Remember that time when Jesus ticks off all of the former neighbors and friends in his hometown of Nazareth? Remember that time? They were so worked up that they decided to throw him off a cliff. And sometimes it feels like that when we go home and we're around people that's supposed to be supportive and loving toward us. It, it's like they just work up so much that they almost want to pull us off a cliff, throw us off of a cliff. Jesus, seeing that there is no reasoning with these people, he walks through the crowd, ignores their rage, and went on his way. And that's in Luke chapter 4. Remember Luke chapter 4. And we have to walk through the crowd of people ignoring the rage and and go on our way and don't be trying to explain nothing jesus didn't explain nothing and so should and we should not as well sometimes difficult people throw tantrums speak harshly or treat us in an abusive way this happens in our social media right now we have on, on online services digital services everywhere so because we have that and we can be talking to someone in another country and so on and so on and we don't know their story they don't know our story but that people come off all kind of abrasive ways and they say these kind of um things i think they call them trolls they troll us and they say all kind of things because they're not in our face well, this is our way, our cue to disengage and walk away. Just swipe to the left, swipe to the right, swipe up, swipe down, and keep it moving. Don't engage yourself. Just like Jesus walked away from all those people. Jesus knew how to keep his blood pressure in check, and so should we. 
and his eyes on the prize, and so should we. Of course, if we have to deal surgically with someone who does this in person, a face-to-face -face discussion might help. And that we definitely need the triune God to be with us on this and let it be. And just sometimes it's best to not say a word. Just in your quietness, just be praying over it for your sanity and their peace and their peace and forgiveness on both sides. Remember, Jesus is not defensive. So we should not be defensive. Um, in chapter 10 of Mark, James and John basically says to Jesus, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Okay? Talk about overstepping boundaries. Whenever anybody comes to you and say, we want you to do that such and such, whatever we ask, they've already overstepped boundaries. But Jesus is not codependent, and we should not be as well. So needless, needless, need, neediness and boundary crossing is not threatening to him, and it shouldn't be to us if we don't step into that. He knows when to say no, and so should we, and when to say yes, and so should we, and does not beat himself up. When he doesn't make other people happy. And so should we. Sometimes. People. Can demand more from us. Than what they can give them. Or let me say it another way. Sometimes people ask. More from you. Than what they can do. For themselves. They may try to sway you into guilt trips. You know this and that. You know I don't have anything to eat. You know I'm this, I know I'm that. But, you know, they don't want to do anything. They want you to get up and go places like in the middle of the night instead of calling Uber Eats and bringing some food over to them and so forth and so on. You know how people put gift trips on people. Before we know it, we find ourselves bending over backwards thinking that we're doing the work of God when we're not doing the work of God. Trying to satisfy a needy or aggressive person who is rarely satisfied. They are rarely satisfied. But Jesus does not try to people please and neither should we. Jesus does not need to protect himself from other people. And we just go to God when we need protection. God, Jesus, I mean, God will, will is enough security for us. That is where his non-defensiveness comes from. Jesus knows where to go. Well, Jesus is where he is and who he is, you know. But we're talking about the humanity part of Jesus. But we're not part of that. We're not, we don't have divinity. But we do have a place where we can go when life gets tough and we feel like we're pulled up against the wall. We have the triune God there for us. So today, what I'm saying, be blessed and rise today. Be flexible and come with an open spirit. Jesus is flexible and so should we. In Mark, I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 15, there was a Canaanite woman demands that Jesus heal the, his daughter. I should say 
wants to kill to heal his daughter and jesus says no and when he is moved by the woman's response of faith and heals his daughter jesus approaches the others with an open mind even when he had preconceived notions he allowed the spirit to move him let the spirit move you in things don't just do things on your own rise today like i say rise today when a difficult person approaches you we may think oh great here we go here we go again or i know how this will go mm. but jesus kept an open mind when we when he was approached by others you never know the spirit may move you or the person who is normally difficult to act in a different unexpected way being close to others closes us to the holy spirit who is working in us and in the other person remember many people don't even realize it but they have what is called defense mechanisms and that's really what's going on that are preventing them preventing their emotional wounds from ever healing the holy spirit is eager and ready to heal us but when we don't somehow receive it then there's a reason or something that is blocking or hindering that healing from manifesting and all too often that reason is a defense mechanism that is in place that is protecting the wound from further harm but at the same time serving as a wall or a blockage that prevents or hinders the light of Christ from penetrating the and healing the wound and once satan has a wound in you he wants to uh, ensure that it doesn't heal so he'll always replay the tapes in your mind your body and your spirit he'll always keep going on and on and on in your yesteryear to remind you of your pain and that is how transgenerational curses continue to go on and on and on god on the other hand is interrupting the pattern of our dysfunction that is where he works this is where satan works hand in hand in flesh fleshly defense <laughs> And one last thing, let's mention briefly defensive mechanism. A defensive mechanism is an ungodly reaction within a person that is designed to prevent the person from further harm. It's like it covers you, but it really doesn't cover you. It just kind of makes it worse. Defense mechanisms usually are usually there because the person has been wronged. They may have been abused. They got their feelings hurt and so on and so on. Maybe they saw a tragedy or some trauma and they're still, they haven't really worked it out. Or they, they could have been something from their childhood when they were too young to really understand what's going on. But when they got older, it showed up in different ways. All of these mechanisms known now is hurt 
is all they know now these mechanisms is hurt and pain so they take it up on themselves to protect the person from further hurt and pain and this is why people say that either parents or relationships messed someone up have you heard people say once they got with that person they sure didn't come out right or when they got into that union they sure did mess them up or when they you know they grew up in a certain family and when they became an adult that child sure did get messed up that's what they're talking about because they're judging by the changes in the behavior displayed by the person people can observe what's going on with you by looking right at you not necessarily how you're dressed per se they're just looking right at you and just see your behavior sometimes you think that you're okay but other people they're like wow okay but anyway that's god's business our glass houses house curtains are open and people can see in but you can close your curtains in your glass house and God can still see in that and work with you. With that said, we may see fear, unforgiveness, uncorrect, uncorrectedness, rebellion, etc. Think of it as a wall which keeps out both the bad guys along with the good, good guys. Unfortunately, the very thing that raises um, up to defend us is the very thing that prevents our wound from ever healing. The Holy Spirit is more than eager to get us healed and restored, but we must not put our hand on his face when he's trying to heal us. And one of the most important steps in the healing process is to remove defense mechanisms so that the Holy Spirit can heal the wounds. Begin to deal with the defense mechanisms and you will make yourself available for healing. Sometimes people can't get to the cross because they've got this wall of mechanisms in their way, defense mechanisms in their way. But no, nothing is taller, wider, or or deeper than anything that God can go through. He can go through anything to help us out. Defense mechanisms are rooted in our human flesh and, and are not inclined to trust God. That's why people say they don't trust God. There's a reason why people say they don't trust God. It's perhaps because they don't trust their daddy. They may have daddy issues. They may have uncle issues. They have authority issues when they don't trust God. This is why a defense mechanism can cause a person to find it very difficult to trust any form of authority. They would rather act upon their fears or unforgiveness to protect them than to lay their burdens and concerns before Jesus' feet and trust him to take care of them. In reality, Defense mechanisms are fleshly ways of dealing with and handling things that God has told us to trust him with. You've got to trust God with your stuff, 
whatever your stuff is. How do you recognize the defense mechanism? People ask that all the time. Well, you have to be watchful of your emotions, which tend to rise up within you when you are faced with certain situations, which put you in possible risk of being, quote-unquote, re-hurt in a particular area of your life. We're talking about triggers. Anything, all your senses, your smell, your eyes, your ears, your touch, all that, those are your senses. They can always trigger something and defense mechanisms can come in a variety of forms but the two main categories involved are fear and unforgiveness those are the two main areas fear is unforgiveness that says I will not allow myself to be hurt unforgiveness and fear both have children did you not know that Unforgiveness is the root that leads to resentment, anger, hurt, um, hatred, even murder. Haven't you seen that show that came out in the early 2000s? Girlfriends that's still going on on Netflix. There's a character, Tony Childs. She always says when she gets into, she gets triggered in her fear and unforgiveness. I'm not going back to Fresno. This is my not going back to Fresno money. That was a defense mechanism for her that she used throughout the whole six seasons of her time on Girlfriends to show. Her character used that. I'm not going back to Fresno. This is my not going back to Fresno money. Well, anyway, fear has a family all on its own, including plain old fear, worry, insecurity, dread, panic attacks, and so forth. I have dealt with a spirit of panic attack um, from this, from dealing with other people where they've had panic attacks and just watched that. And when it manifested, it took off and did all kind of things to them. So whenever you are not inclined to trust God with something, it can be a defense mechanism because you fear being hurt or suffering loss. And I definitely understand that because you're vulnerable. Fear is just as much of a defense mechanism as unforgiveness is. So when people don't, don't forgive you, that's a part of the defense mechanism. It's a reason why they don't forgive you. If you struggle with issues of anger, rebellion, blaming others, resentment, all of that is re rooted in, un um, in unforgiveness and so forth, then you are up against a defense mechanism. A defense mechanism will rise up when it perceives potential harm in any area of your life. The whole idea of defense mechanisms is to protect you from further harm or further pain. It is important to realize that defense mechanisms will attempt to block outsiders regardless of its further harm or the light to Christ. It will prevent the light of Christ from ever reaching the wound so that it can 
be so it cannot be held. And the goal, therefore, is to address defense mechanisms so that the light of Christ is not blocked. And we must make way of God for God to heal the wound. Emotionally, healing is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. It is our job to simply cooperate with him to manifest that healing. And we have to let the triune God, that is God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, turn ourselves around. It is also helpful to verbally confess our choices to tear down ungodly defense mechanisms. The word says in Philippians chapter 3, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I now take down the ungodly walls. Those are your defense mechanisms meant to protect me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and can endure whatever is necessary that lies before me. Remember that scripture. How do we prepare for the attacks? And how do we defend, defeat our, our attacks? The only way you can do that is by putting on the whole armor of God, which is our primary, which is primarily a righteous life. But along with that, we must be aware of the enemy's tactics. Satan wants to immobilize us and keep us from progressing in our spiritual lives. And that's a big thing. He wants to keep us from uh, progressing. And therefore, he will come with many different attacks. And sometimes it feels like it's daily, hourly, every minute. He wants to keep us from building and completing the work that God has called us to. Because our enemy is both wise and relentless, we must be aware of his tricks and schemes. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says this, In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. One of the reasons many Christians become immobilized and ineffective in their calling is because they are unaware of the enemy's tactics. We will see many of these tactics as we study and continue to study. This is especially important for those in leadership roles, just as Nehemiah um, was. If Satan had one bullet, he would take out the leader because it would affect more people. Remember the words of Ecclesiastes, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10. And the Apostle Paul wrote, Whatever you do in the words or deeds, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord honors those who commit their works to Him and who strive for excellence in everything they do. That is Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. And also um, chapter 22, verse 29. Well, that's it for today. Have a beautiful, blessed day in the Lord. Love yourself, love others, forgive yourself, forgive others, and continue on in the work of the Lord. Be blessed.